Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 15 through 26, and the translation is the ESV, not the CSB, has been indicated. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akaldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Hi, my name is Chris. I'm a member here at the church. It's really good to see all of you on this really cold uh, Sunday morning. Um, My voice will probably sound like it's shaking because I'm nervous, but it's actually really because it's cold up here. Thank you, uh, Janet, for bringing the hot coffee. I'm going to just hold on to this. Um, The title of our message this morning is Who Leads the Church? And uh, when Pastor Eric and myself, when we decided on the text for this morning, we recognized its timeliness for where we are as a church right now, Trinity, um, in the process of elder confirmation, ordination. Uh, This is a message that I've been able to deliver to other churches in the past, but this is way more special because it's you guys, it's my own church family. So let's jump right in. Uh, Our passage this morning comes to us from the book of Acts chapter 1. Thank you, John, for reading it for us. And if you were following along with John, I hope that you had questions, because there's some interesting things happening in this passage. Uh, Let me briefly set the scene for us. This is the early church, as I said, and they are in need of new leaders, just like Trinity. So we get to see what they do. We get to learn from their example, and hopefully we get to maybe model ourselves after what they did. But notice right away what we didn't read. Notice what hasn't been in Acts chapter 1 when they were adding leaders. They did not take a nomination among the members. On the deadline of that nomination deadline, they didn't send out an email saying, hey guys, um, We don't have enough nominations for elders. Can you get on it, please? They didn't uh, 
get a circle of candidates around and go through training, meet in the mornings, and then eventually have exams until they're ordained. None of that happened in Acts chapter 1. So what did they do? Let, let's read the relevant portion one more time to see what they did. Let another take his position as overseer. So they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also known as Eustace, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. How did the early church add their leaders to the church? They cast lots. Cast lots. Now, that's my, if you don't know what that means, the only equivalent that I can think of is they rolled the dice. <laughs> they rolled the dice in order to add or to know what God's will is to add leaders to the church. Can you imagine if we did this for our elder candidates now at Trinity? I will tell you for sure, elder ordination would be a lot more interesting (laughs) if we we got everybody together here and rolled the dice, looking at each other nervously. (laughs) Let's go, Rob Cho. (laughs) Um, That's not what we do at our church, and we should ask why, if that's what the early church did. Why are we not following their example? Now, I don't, I I joke, the early church didn't roll the dice flippantly. The text tells us that they prayed, they did this prayerfully, they they were resorting to a method that that the priests of Israel used to do in consulting divine oracles, and so this was what they had resorted to. But we have to ask, why? Why did the early church have to do this? And maybe even the more helpful question is, why is it in the text? Why does scripture feel it's important for us to know this story? And this actually is a really good example of reading a passage in context to understand what happens after the passage and what happens before to get a better handle on it. Because what this passage doesn't mean is that you can roll the dice for important decisions. That's, that's reading it out of context. Um, so the next slide, please. If you read what happens directly after this passage, if you have a physical Bible, Acts chapter 2 is, uh, uh, is what we call the day of Pentecost. Now, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday every uh, year. It's what we call the birthday of the church. Sometimes as a church, we'll go to the park. It's the day that we recognize and we, uh, we commemorate the day the Holy Spirit arrives upon the church and to remain with the church. So that's what happens directly after our little passage. What happens before our passage? Next slide, please. Um, it's Acts chapter 1, and this is Jesus' farewell speech before the ascension. And Jesus promises to the church that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So this is is the, the context of our passage this morning. On the one hand, Jesus promises that they will receive the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church on the day of Pentecost. 
And in between is our little story where the church has to add leaders to the church and they cast lots. Next slide, Marsha, thanks. And so what's going on here is that this is a time in the church's life when they did not yet have the Holy Spirit. That's what's going on. That's why they're casting lots. The Holy Spirit is not yet with the church, and so they don't have the means to understand God's will in this particular moment in the life of the church. When they're making a decision as important as adding leaders, they have to resort to ways that are less than ideal. But we can be sure that now that the Spirit has come upon the church after Acts 2, that the church doesn't need to roll the dice. The church doesn't need to cast lots because the church has something better. They have the Holy Spirit himself that can guide and lead the church. And thankfully, we know that in the book of Acts, there are other times when they add more leaders to the church. And what we see is that now that the Spirit is with them, there's no more stories of casting lots anymore. The next slide, please. Uh, One more, thanks. So in Acts chapter 6, oh, is this Acts chapter 6? Yeah, it says this. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task while we for our part will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Now, now we're starting to resemble the kinds of things that we do here as our church. We have folks within the church select men full of wisdom or leaders full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have to talk about what that means. But, and, and, and there's a recognition among the community of, of, of leaders being added. There's no mention here of rolling the dice. And do we understand why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. Uh, the next passage, uh, this one is Acts 13, 1, 3. This is another moment in the church when more leaders are added to the ministry of the church. This is the church at Antioch, and there were prophets and teachers. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So this passage is actually a little bit more explicit about what is being directed of the church. It's the Holy Spirit speaking. (laughs) I mean, uh, this is is Trinity Presbyterian Church. We have our Presbyterian anxieties about the the Spirit speaking. Uh, We can talk about how that actually happened. But what's key for us is that it is the Spirit that is leading and directing the church. It's the spirit that's leading and directing the, the decision-making, even down to the, to the identity of those leaders who are called to serve in a particular ministry of the church. So I hope it's emerging as clear. If the question is who leads the church, at least according to the book of Acts, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actively leading and guiding the church. 
he, of course, empowers and fills leaders so that they would be able to help guide and direct the ministry of the church. But the Bible is clear that the Spirit is actively leading. Now, if, 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 uh, if my people with questions are still with me, I hope that you have an important question that's still lingering in our minds. And that question is, how? How, can it, how do we be led by the Spirit? What does that even mean? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit or indwelt with the Spirit? What does it mean to hear His voice and to understand as a church how we are led by Him? Maybe an even sharper question is, if the Spirit is the one who leads the church, how come there are so many churches that just seem to have lost their way? How is it that there are so many churches that seem to strongly disagree with each other if they are led by the Spirit? I think one of the places that we need to start with uh, in order to start answering these questions is just to get a handle of what we mean by spirituality, by, by the Spirit, because we all tend to bring different things uh, to the idea of, of, of being filled with the Spirit. Um, as a student of the Bible, as a, as a teacher of the Bible, I've spent a lot of uh, the recent past years studying the Holy Spirit and trying to find answers to exactly these questions. What does filling with the Spirit mean? What does being uh, led by the Spirit mean? And, um, you know, the answers haven't been hard to find. The scripture is very, very clear about the path to these things. It's not that they're unclear. It might be that they're difficult. But what I've learned is that the, the way that we are led by the Spirit is in community with the people that God has given us in our church family. That is the path of being filled with the Spirit. That's the path of being led by the Spirit, is doing it together with the people that God has given us. The answers have been staring us in the face, even in the texts that we read this morning. Let's revisit them very briefly. The next slide, Marcia, thanks. When the day of Pentecost came, remember this? They were all gathered together in one place. It wasn't people in their prayer closets um, when the Spirit came, it was in the context of corporate worship. The next slide, Acts chapter 13. Remember the Spirit speaking passage? Yeah, that was happening while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they had laid their hands on them and sent them off. It's crucial that the moments when the Spirit is leading and directing the church, it's in the context of corporate worship. It's in the context of God's people gathering together, praying together, worshiping together. One of the clearest passages in the Bible that speaks about filling of the Holy Spirit is Ephesians chapter 5. Um, uh, thanks. <laughs> so Ephesians chapter 5 says very clearly to be filled with the Spirit. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. How do we be filled with the Spirit? Well, what does the scripture say about being filled with the Spirit? 
the things that accompany that commandment, it has everything to do with what we do together as a church, singing songs together, making music in our hearts to the Lord together, giving thanks to the Lord together. Being filled with the Spirit is community activity, and it depends on how we come together as a church. Now, this is hard. This is hard for us, Trinity Church, because I know this is a group of largely introverted people. (laughs) Leaning into one another and depending on one another to hear the Lord speak and to, 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 to follow the voice of the Spirit, to have to depend on one another to do that is inconvenient. I would much rather be... Uh, I would much rather that it would be more of a product of my ability to pray. Being spiritual would be my ability to meditate and avoid certain sins because I have control over that. I have some agency over that. But this, this is not how God has set this up. We often tend to get this flipped in our, in our minds in the way that we think about spirituality and the spirit. We tend to think that being spiritual is somebody who prays a lot. A spiritual person is somebody who meditates a lot and can have surprising insight into people's lives, or somebody who is very holy. And I, I think we get a lot of that from more Eastern uh, notions of spirituality or uh, New Age spirituality, but it's not necessarily biblical Christianity. The Bible's message on the Spirit is almost always in the direction of community. Hearing God's voice together and being led by the Spirit in the process of depending on one another. As difficult as that might sound, (laughs) as exhausting as that might sound, some of us might rather roll the dice (laughs) for important decisions then have to lean on a church to do it. But this is how God in his providence has made it. You know, one of my favorite examples of this comes from the TV show Lost. It's it's now a pretty old show. I haven't even, I didn't even look up how old the show is because it would just be depressing. (laughs) Don't have to tell me afterwards when it released. There's no need to bring facts into this. Uh, (laughs) But... um, Yes, the show can be, if you've seen it, it's long and it's unnecessarily mysterious. Um, But I still like it. And if you've watched it, on one level the show is about a plane crash and the survivors have to live in this mysterious island. But the show really isn't about that at all. What the show is about is a group of strangers And these people have been brought together. Some might say by chance, but I know that the writers, some of whom are overtly Christian, they would use the language of providence. These people have been brought together for a reason. And while they didn't know anything about each other before, after their experience together, the story of their lives cannot be told without each other. So in film or television, the show Lost reminds me of or gives me the best illustration of what it means to be the church. They need each other in order to just even give their own sense of selves meaning and purpose. 
I really do believe that church works like this, that God has put this people together, this group. Now I grant that some will leave and new folks will drop in, and it's a dynamic group, but I still really do believe that there is a purpose for why it's this group and not another group. And it's this group where we are called to depend on each other to draw near to the Lord. And we depend on one another to hear his voice, to hear his leading. Now, can we check out? Can some of us just say, this is really not my thing? Yeah, you can do that. Can I not choose to lead, or can I choose not to lead into church and lean into these relationships to, to, to be spiritual, to be led by the Spirit? All of those things are possible. And your life will still look like your life, And I dare say you will still be beloved children of God. It doesn't mean that you will go to hell, like, or you will be punished. We need way more categories than just heaven good and hell bad. You will still be a beloved child of God. But if you do not, if you choose not to lean into church and into these relationships that God has given us, what I do think is true is that you will be missing something. You'll be missing something quite crucial, actually, about what God had for you and what God had intended for us as a church to know about him and his leading. You know, the show Lost actually explores this. Um, Melissa was telling me, don't give spoilers away. Uh, But the show is old. Like, it's it's at least five years old. (laughs) So, I mean, it's too late, right? Um... The, uh, in the show, they, they present an alternate reality where the people don't, they, they don't remember each other. They don't remember that they had this experience together. And as a viewer, you're frustrated because you know that these lives belong together. You know what they're, what they're supposed to be, and they don't remember. And some of the best moments of the show was, is when they're awakened, and they do remember that they had this life together. They do remember that their lives belong together. And it's a really powerful thing. And I, I, I feel that that's, again, I feel that that's how church works. With every relationship that we foster here with the people God has given us, we awaken something that God has for us. We awaken something that God had intended for us to hear and to understand and to know. And we could not do it without each other. And when we choose not to engage and we choose not to lean into fellowship with the people that God has given us in our church family, we we miss something. And if we had the perspective to understand, we would feel a sense that something is off, that things aren't where they're supposed to be. There is something very special that happens in the gathering of God's people. It's not magic. This is not magical. But it is spiritual. And there's a difference. I mean, we are believers, and we believe that God is in this place, particularly in our fellowship. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But he's here in a particular way when we gather, particularly when we gather at this table. It's only here 
where we can say that the Lord communes with us, where we receive grace here at the table in our gathering in a way that we can't do it on our own. My friends, we're not individual holy persons that are uh, on our own individual quests to be one with God. The Lord has given us a church. And if we are to draw near to him, if we are to hear his voice, if we are to hear his leading, we have to do it together in community. So who leads the church? I hope that it's clear that it's the Holy Spirit that leads the church. This is his church. This is God's church. It's not the Pope's church. It's not the head pastor's church. It's not the elder's church. It's the Lord's church. And the Lord will be able, if we are willing to hear his voice, to be able to empower and to select and to help leaders lead the church with wisdom and grace. Uh, Pastor Eric mentioned the the group of names that are uh, um, selected to go through the elder ordination process. Um, I speak for at least myself, but I know that I speak for probably all of us. We're we're not we we don't feel like we're uh, we're the people for the for the job. <laughs> we feel our own limitations. We feel the weight of it. We feel the weight of the responsibility, and um, it's. It's, uh, it's a difficult thing to, to try and, and to come up with and to, to, to burden, to, to bear. But my only, my only saving hope is that the Spirit leads the church, not charismatic individuals, not competent individuals necessarily, although all of those things are important. But it's the Spirit ultimately that does lead the church. And if we are to have any positive impact if we are to do anything of worth for the kingdom and for Trinity Church, it's because we are following the voice of the Spirit, that we are being empowered by him. Now, Trinity Church, as any other church, we can choose to not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We can choose to to ignore the Spirit's leading. We can choose to sometimes even disobey, as many churches do. Churches are free to disobey the leading of the Spirit, and some do disastrously, even monstrously. But for those of us who will want to come together as a church family, to pray together as a church, to seek to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as a church, we can try and do this together with the recognition and the assurance that we can trust him, that the Spirit is good, and that the Spirit is able and willing and wants to lead us in the way that God wants us to go. It's on us to hear. It's on us to seek. It's on us together, not as individuals, but as a church, to lean into that together, to draw near to the Lord but we can rely on the Spirit's goodness. It's the same Spirit. It's the same Spirit that arrived at Pentecost all of those years ago. It's the same Spirit 
that inspired the prophets and the apostles, that inspired the very scriptures that we read. It's the same spirit that rose our Lord Jesus from the dead. That spirit is with us now, and we are called to follow his leading. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending to us your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you do not leave us as orphans, but you give to us a counselor, the comforter, the spirit that leads us into truth. Lord, as honestly as I can say, we, we need you, Lord. We need your spirit to direct, to empower, to inspire our church. We need your guidance, and we cannot do this without you, Lord. Father, I pray that you send us your spirit, that you cause our hearts to pray and to be attuned together to the voice of the spirit. Help us, Lord, for your namesake, for it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.